Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Viking Aids podcast, the official podcast of the VikingAids.com. My name is Chris Shad. I write for the Viking Aids as well as Bring Me the News, Zone Coverage, and the Brookings Register. We do this every Monday with a later in the week episode right here on the Viking Aids YouTube channel. We're also on Apple and Spotify the very next day, but however you consume us, don't forget to rate, comment, share, and subscribe. You never miss a new episode, and we can send the word to the masses. Today's guest, you can already see him in the screen right now. He writes for Vikings Corner as well as GopherGuru.com. He has literally been everywhere the first three days this week. Just no rest for Daniel House. Daniel, what's going on, man? Do you get time to stop for Thanksgiving, or do you have to continuously row the boat with your job? No pun intended. I, I get to have Thanksgiving tomorrow. Uh, probably will do a little work later in the day because big game this week between Minnesota and Wisconsin, so lots to talk about and prepare for. But, yeah, it's been a busy start of the week here. I had the turkey drive last night at the Gopher facility and then PJ's presser on Monday and coordinators and players today. So. I like the last, it's a, it's a time of reflection with all the players that have been in the program that are graduating senior day. It's always cool to be in the program when they get there and see where they're at at the end. So it's always a good week. So I'm going to put you on the spot here because John Stiglmeyer, who used to be the coach at SDSU, did the same to me last year. But, you know, if you get to sit home for Thanksgiving, you know, what, what goes on your Thanksgiving plate? What does Daniel House's ultimate thanksgiving meal look like well you gotta have stuffing i think that's number one uh, my stuffing recipe that i have is the best in the land i think it's got three sticks of butter in it secret <laughs> secret uh weapon is Watkins poultry seasoning okay uh, highly recommend that in stuffing it's an integral part of my uh, recipe so stuffing's number one gotta have turkey i grew up in the turkey capital of america so uh, you got to you got to love turkey if you grow up uh, where I did. So turkey, uh, mashed potatoes with the with the gravy. Um, you know, I after that it's it's you know it's all about the pies. You got to have pumpkin pie. Uh, that's the ultimate one. My mom makes a really good pumpkin pie. It's a little different than the traditional recipe that people use. So those would be my mainstay items that I got to have. Other than that. It's up in the air. Ooh, and that fruit salad too. My grandma's fruit salad okay. is pretty good. So is that is it. that like the fruit with the marshmallow stuff in it, or what? What is? Yeah, and it's it's always an adventure because you got to go get these white cherries. So every okay. year there's they're hard to find. They're Oregon white cherries. They're out west, and they made out west, and you can't find them anywhere locally anymore. So you got to go to Lund. They're the only place that has it. Every time you go there, those cherries they're getting restocked. Because I think everybody goes to try to find them. So it's like that cher those white cherries with marshmallows, uh, pineapple in there. 
Uh, my grandma has always had that one. So that's one of my faves. Okay. So, so now that I've asked you, I'm going to go with, and, and I'm a little bummed out here because you're talking about all this food and half of it, I'm not going to be able to have, because if you couldn't tell while you're watching or listening to this, I have been hit with a cold. Uh, it, it feels like I've been punched in the face. It's totally great. I actually called my mom yesterday. Be like, yeah, I'm catching this thing and I, I don't want to get anybody sick. And she's just like, so you could at least mix in a cough or, you know, uh, one of one of those things or whatever. But I mean, that is the number one thing I am going to miss is the food because I go, you know, you, you talk about turkey and I understand people who like I eat it because that's like part of Thanksgiving, right? I go, my dad actually is a smoker and he throws a pulled pork show or a pork shoulder in there. And then he like claws that. So you got pulled pork, you got loaded up with a pulled pork, maybe a little bit of turkey just to feel a little festive. Green bean casserole is a must for me as well. Like, and like my sisters, bless them. They love the effort, but they do like, it's like fresh green beans and like actual onions and stuff. Nah, nah. Yeah. You got to have like processed slop. I need those dirty onions. I need those canned green beans. I need cream of mushroom soup. Like let's not, let's not reinvent the wheel here. Let's just Put something that I can literally stir up in the bowl, throw in the oven for 30 minutes, and then just stuff my face in it. Then I need some mac and cheese. Mac and cheese with a little cayenne pepper, some hot sauce, a little bit of heat. That's good stuff. And like you mentioned, all the stuffing I can find. Like load my damn plate with that stuff because that is – I think that might be my favorite stuff where you got the apples, the sausage, all that stuff. It's great. You know, the butter, it's all great. And then uh, dessert, you know, pumpkin pie is great. But of course, in my situation, you know, I I have like none of that. And being by myself, like I I went to the grocery store. I'm like looking at pies. It's like 10 bucks for like a 16 inch pie. I'm like, half the thing's going to go bad by the time I like eat it. So I don't know. Like I I got two plans. I'm like, if I'm feeling good enough, I'm just going to make some pulled pork, some mac and cheese and some green bean casserole and call it good. Uh, plan B I'm running out to get a Papa Murphy's pizza. And if I feel like crap, I'm just throwing that thing in the oven and I'll, I'll make the rest of the stuff some other day. But, uh, long story short, that, that is my ultimate, uh, Thanksgiving plate. I like it. A nice mix of different options. I'm not a green bean casserole guy. So we differ in that, that area. Uh, I'm not a mac and cheese guy on Thanksgiving. So yeah, it's, it, that's a fun part. Last night at the turkey drive with the Kelfers, I was asking the guys about their favorite Thanksgiving meals. And it's unbelievable to hear all the different family recipes that people have. I was talking to Jack Henderson. He's a defensive back transfer from Louisiana, uh, Southeastern Louisiana. Yeah. He's talking about shucking oysters and gumbo for Thanksgiving. He's like, I'm like, what are your favorite traditions for Thanksgiving? He's like, Louisiana Thanksgiving or Midwest Thanksgiving. (laughs) So it was a lot of fun. I always love that uh, hearing everybody's different traditions because you think about it, you got a hundred guys on this team, all from different backgrounds and you get to hear what, what they enjoy. It's just, it's fascinating. Well, you know what else is a tradition about this time of the year? The Vikings being in the hunt for a playoff spot. And that's exactly what we have you on to talk about today. The Vikings right now, six and five. They're in the seventh spot of the NFC. They're two and a half games back of Detroit for the NFC North lead. A game and a half back of the Cowboys for the fifth spot in the NFC. 
a half game back of Seattle for the sixth spot in the NFC and one and a half games ahead of the Packers, Rams, and Falcons for the final playoff spot. If that just made your head explode because you're thinking about Turducken or whatever it is tomorrow, uh, they're in the hunt. That's all you need to know. So here's my first question for you, Daniel. Are the Vikings a playoff team, or are they one of those teams that are just kind of just going to get in and just get deleted in the first round? Well, if they can take care of the football, they're a playoff team. I mean, that's been the theme in all these losses. They combined 13-2 to in the turnover battle and the five losses this year. Not taking care of the football was the major aspect of the last game. I mean, uh, you look at Alexander Madison's fumble, your offense is showing some rhythm. It's first down at Denver's 34. You have 17-9 to late in the third quarter. You're able to continue moving the football. I felt like they were running it well. The gap schemes are working really good, especially early in the game, and they were finding it in the second half as well. But then you give Denver just a little bit of hope, and that was my one thing that I said coming into the game. Denver's gotten back in this thing because of the ability to create takeaways at a historic clip over the last few games here. And Three turnovers generated per game average is top in the NFL entering the game over the last three weeks, so... The Vikings did not do that well, and it ultimately came back uh, to hurt him because, uh, you know, that is the ultimate equalizer in football. Explosive plays, tackling, and turnovers. Those things, I'm telling you, they make a huge difference in outcome. You know what that game reminded me of? Like, are you an NBA guy at all? Oh, yeah, I'm an NBA guy. Yeah, so, so like, you know how, like, general managers who are, like, rebuilding, they'll just do, like, four or five trades, and they'll just manage to get a first-round pick in every one? Like, Oklahoma City has like 20 first round picks in the next like three years because yeah. they just keep making trades and they keep stockpiling for that's what the Broncos did on Sunday to the Vikings. They just like it was it was little field goals and they couldn't score touchdowns, but they kept just getting three points at a time. And eventually it put them in position where it was 21-15 at the end of the game, and they can just throw up a pass to Cortland Sutton and they can bury the dagger in the Vikings. That's exactly what happened. And I mean, you know. Uh, watching Josh Dobbs, everybody wants to compare him to Case Keenum because he could run around, he could make plays. That was probably the last time the Vikings had a quarterback that could do that type of thing. But you you watch him on a play to play basis, and like sometimes it's just like it's like a pass that goes in the hands of another receiver, and Jordan Addison rips it out, or just something crazy like that. Like this team loves to live dangerously, and I think with the quarterback right now, you know, I, I'm confident in him down the stretch, but I also think, you know, that those turnover things are going to hurt them just like they did on Sunday night. Yeah. I thought, you know, you got to remember that Josh Dobbs is still learning everything. I mean, he came in here and just on the fly picked it up and was able to have success. And now it's coming into the system, getting acclimated, working with all the playmakers. If you can get Jefferson back, I believe that helps significantly just when you look at those playmakers, think about uh, the the ability to not have all the attention maybe on, you know, TJ Hawkinson and, you know, a Jordan Addison from a schematic standpoint. You think getting Jefferson in the mix, if you get a double Jefferson, you're going to leave some matches for Hawkinson and uh, Addison as well. I mean, Jefferson coming back is just going to open up a lot of different options for the offense. Having that mobile ability from Dobbs though is that's huge I mean there's three or four plays a game where Dobbs can escape with his legs and extend the play and maybe get a touchdown here or there I mean it that's that can be the difference between winning and losing and the Vikings haven't had that ability in in quite some time because Dobbs 
is is one of the most athletic quarterbacks the Vikings have had in recent memory. So it's been kind of fun to watch that element as he's learning. I think that's what fans got to remember is like this guy, as the season goes on, there's going to be some moments where he's figuring things out. And I thought last week there were some times that offensive line, I thought maybe didn't play as well in the second half. And Denver was hitting them with some pressure stuff that was uh, working. But you look at them getting behind the sticks at times, too. I mean, Kev talked about that. Uh, at the end of the game, there were just some moments where they had some things, weird things happen. You got that offensive pass interference where you're back way up. Uh, then you got the turnovers, like some self-inflicted things that made that game a little bit more difficult to overcome. One of the other things that Vikings fans will point out, obviously, is the running back position. Uh, Alexander Madison, I think Viking fans are fed up in a way. I know that I have kind of expressed my disdain with Alexander Madison lately, but uh, Ty Chandler, he's picking up big gains. He's doing a lot of the things right. He had a bad pass protection whiff. But I mean, you know, why do you think the Vikings are so stubborn in sticking with Alexander Madison instead of going, all right, Ty Chandler, it's time. Let's see what you got. Yeah, it's, it's a change of pace thing, you know, where Madison's more of the physical runner, where when you run in those gap schemes, which I think is a good thing to showcase him within getting those pullers out allowing him to get downhill, uh, run with that physical mentality and break tackles. And then you get into that mid and wide zone type of game with Ty Chandler, able to get him out on the perimeter. You look at that one play design where they got uh, two routes influence in the defense, able to uh, leak out in the wheel route uh, to Ty Chandler. He gives you that ability in the passing game. feel he's becoming better from a vision standpoint as a runner. I think that's an area maybe the Vikings want to see him uh, progress and develop in but you know he's got that electricity that first to complement Madison uh, you know you got to have that perimeter speed and I think that's what fans are are yearning for and then when Madison has had some timely and costly fumbles this year I mean that's really put the team in some precarious spots so you know I look at, at Ty Chandler's ability along with Josh Dobbs, who can be involved in the in the quarterback run game as well within the zone read stuff. I mean, early in the game, you kind of put him out on an island with the with the tight end cosplay to the QB. I mean, now Kareem Jackson gets a four-game suspension, but gosh, putting, putting Dobbs in that spot, it, the play really wasn't executed super well. Yeah. kind of made it look worse than, than probably the intent of it was, but you know, Kev will continue to get creative with how he's used uh, in the in the quarterback run game. It changes how the defense plays you a little bit. And I like that play, honestly. The one where TJ Hawkinson goes mm-hmm. underneath the center, they have him uh, flip out. I think they faked a tush-push play on that one, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But it also leaves your quarterback as a wide-open target because, you know, in Kareem Jackson's, I don't want to say defense because he launched himself like a ram after he had been ejected, suspended, fine, suspended again, everything else. Like, learn your lesson, dude. But at the same time, if I see the quarterback carrying and he's a ball carrier, not a quarterback, I am going to try and hit him as hard as possible because that's like mm-hmm. a free shot on the quarterback. It might also be on Dobbs to get down, but it was also a very close play where it was third down. You weren't sure if he was going to get it and he couldn't like protect himself in that scenario. Um, you know, one of the other things that are here, here I, I want to point this out too, because you mentioned Alexander Madison's timely fumbles. Do you know how many times he's fumbled this year? Oh gosh. Is it four or five? It's two. It feels he's like had, more than that, doesn't it? it? It does because he had a couple of call back in the charger game. Like oh, Luke, that's Ron, right, yeah. Luke Ron pointed that out because he's like, everybody's talking like, I feel like there is 
I don't want to call them truthers. Like there are Kirk Cousins truthers out there, right? But like yeah. there are a lot of people who are kind of rushing to Madison's aid being like, you know, uh, Matt Fries had this video breakdown because Paul Charchian put out a stat that Alexander Madison has like negative five yards on his runs inside the 10. But Matt Fries pieced them all together and he said, hey, there's missed blocks. There's all this kind of stuff. There um, is execution stuff there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's all it all ties, you know. Yeah, but it yeah. does feel worse. It does feel worse than that. I mean, gosh, I, I guess I hadn't really dug into it. I mean, the two the, here's the thing. Issues get magnified. It's like it's like these gopher games at the end. You know, there's a couple plays here or there that get magnified in the course of a you know pretty solid performance. Everybody always remembers the two that happen at the worst time. And like Minnesota this year, the Gophers, their there's their mistakes have happened at the worst possible time. It's not like it's happening in the first quarter. You know, it's happening with two minutes left in the game on the line. <laughs> and so Madison's have been magnified, I think, because of that, you know, that bias of well you know they were impactful uh over the course of the game and i think people are also like well you know the runs aren't efficient on a run-to-run basis so that plays into it as well but there are a lot of details that go into run game it's it's not just the back as well but i do think that there's some things they got to clean up the last thing that i'll kind of say about the vikings right now and we're talking about like can this team make a run or whatever I think one of the best things that they have going for them right now is their defense because Brian Flores has taken that group. You know, sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, looking at a player and being like, what can this guy do to help me? It's like, uh, you know, you played NCAA 14, the athletes, like those are my favorite players to use because like I look at them and go, okay, you got 94 speed. I'm going to put you at safety because you're going to be in a stop. Or, or like, you know, wherever you want to put them. Anthony Barr signed on the practice squad early last yeah. week. He still got 12 snaps during the game because Brian Flores probably said, all right, what can Anthony Barr do? Okay, I'm going to have him do that. Like, he's not asking guys to do things that they're not comfortable doing. And everybody is thriving it because of it. I mean, Daniel Hunter is a dark horse for defensive player of the year right now. Uh, you know, you have a no name secondary producing. Um, if I challenged you to name a starter on the defensive line outside of Harrison Phillips, I don't think you could like he is doing such a great job with his defense. And I think that a is going to get him in the mix for a head coaching job, but B it's going to propel this team and really take the burden off the offense. Because when you think about Josh Dobbs, it's like their fourth string quarterback. If you look at it from the context of like the beginning of the year. So, I mean, if the defense can keep lifting this team up and making big plays, I think it's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, the defense is fun to watch schematically. As a guy who studies the game at the college and NFL levels and and loves to keep up on where the game is going, Brian Flores, I mean, everybody automatically puts him in that cover zero blitzing mentality, aggressive defensive coordinator. And that's certainly part of it. And he'll do that from time to time. But I think the biggest evolution in B-Flow's approach is playing more zone, showing cover zero presentation, bluffing out. Uh, You got rush three, drop eight. You got the ability because of the way he's developed, like Joshua Tellis, Cam Bynum, their versatility to use those three safety looks in creative ways where they're running these Tampa two inverts where, you know, you got Josh Metellus dropping into the flat and the corners uh, bailing out into the deep half. And then it makes it easier for the middle of the field guy uh, to cover and not have as much depth to, to drop to. I mean, there are things that they are doing to, to change the coverage picture. Sometimes I just sit and giggle. Like there's a rep where Harrison Phillips is dropping back 
into coverage and and i flores is just diabolical with with some of the stuff that he does where he's got guys lined up in the craziest spots and he's just got to when he installs this stuff he's just got to be a mad scientist laughing because it's 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 so it's stuff that you don't see all, all that often so it, it's been fun to watch the schematic evolution of the vikings and how he's done such a good job of put getting the most out of this defense squeezing the orange as they'd say i mean T.J. Warner, Josh Metellus, Cam Bynum, all players that, you know, Rick Spielman drafted that he is now, you know, developing, helping. Like Troy Dye getting in there for some reps. I thought he yeah. was throwing some stuff here. I mean, he's made some progress. Anthony Barr coming in here, like you mentioned. The sim pressures that they use so, that, you know, they're dropping an end and sending another player like a safety or a linebacker. I thought those were very effective because you look at Denver's strategy, trying to get the ball out underneath, load up the target type of stuff. There are a couple instances where those sims work, where they drop the rusher into the passing window to totally knock Russell Wilson off, you know, the, the aspect of the play design. So, you know, the B-flow, I, I love watching it. I think the Vikings made an outstanding move. I loved it when they did it. And now it's, just all about how long stays here and, and is your DC. You know what Brian Flores reminds me of? He's he's like if you let a stoner into the Taco Bell test <laughs> kitchen. You know what I mean? Like you just have some random ingredients and they're just like, all right, what do we got here? We got a quesarito now. Like we got some ground beef. We got some cheese. We got some uh, fire sauce. Like, you know. Just, he's like uh, running a, an America's test kitchen here. He's yes. like, he's going in and making up the, the recipes and he's, he's, he's dropping some, some stuff that nobody saw before. He's got the double down sandwich from KFC where it's, there's no bun. It's just two, uh, two like big, big ass chicken breasts and uh, some bacon. Like, yeah. Hey, um, I'll tell you what, he's doing it with, with, with not the maximum amount of ingredients either, you know, it's, <laughs> Simple, yeah. simple yet complex, you know? What is that show? It's like, um, I've, I've never watched it, but I saw the commercial and like, maybe they don't have it anymore, but there's like four different levels of like kitchens yeah. and like on the bottom one, it's just like chop, not like chop liver literally, but it's just like, you know, these crappy ingredients, you got to make something good. And like on the top floor, you got like flame and you got like flame, like top floors, like Aaron Donald and, you know, um, I'm trying to think of pastors like Daniel Hunter and like everything yeah, else. Like Miles bottom, Garrett. Yeah. On the bottom, you got like, uh, Troy die and, uh, Josh Metellus, like go make something out of this. We'll, we'll be good. No offense to those guys, but that, player that's development, the player development's been really good though. Those guys have yes. made a ton of progress and that's a credit to Brian Flores and his ability to adapt his scheme around the players and not the inverse where, before it was, it felt like it was like square jamming the square peg into the round hole where it's, this is the scheme and the players are going to do this versus here's what the players do best. Maximize and build the scheme around that. Tweak what you do schematically, what your philosophy is and build it around the players. And that's why they've been so successful. I mean, gosh, Josh Metellus has been really fun to watch. If you sit down yeah. and you study how impactful he is in this defense. It, it Beefo always does this though. He always finds these players that fit what he's looking for and then just maximizes them. And that's what good coaching is all about. It's taking your talent, putting their vision of what they want to be in their mind and helping them uh, accomplish it, which is just great. So let me ask you this question, because this has been something on my mind for a while and, and maybe, maybe, you know, 
Sunday's loss kind of had something to do with it and just kind of, you know, as a Vikings fan, we always think of worst case scenario. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, let's say they don't, they can't stop turning the ball over. Josh Dobbs carriage turns into a pumpkin and they finish like eight and nine or whatever. Was this playoff push worth doing at the trade deadline? Because I look at these quarterbacks, you know, you cover call. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's football. You've seen it. You know, Bo Nix. Put Bo Nix in the Vikings offense, <laughs> and I will be so freaking happy. You know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, Michael Penix is getting some love right now. Like, they're all those quarterbacks. I look at them, and I'm just like, what? Like, if you screw yourself over and you're eight and nine at the end of the first round, you know, is it worth it? it, it like, what are we looking at long term with this team, especially now? Kirk Cousins has that torn Achilles. There's a lot of questions here in the future, and I think it it makes things really exciting, but it also makes things intriguing if the Vikings do have this massive meltdown at the end of the year. Yeah, and it's going to come down to how things go in the stretch run here. I don't see things falling off the rails, though, because I believe what's been proven the, the past few weeks is the Vikings have a really, really good head coach and play caller. Because to do the things that they did in that short period of time, as someone who is around these coaches and has even like talked to people about like how hard was it, what he accomplished, that is an, an unbelievable achievement. And it's a credit to Kevin O'Connell being able to see through the eyes of a quarterback because he's played that position before. And I view the Vikings as, you know, they can make the most out of maybe not having the top tier talent to, to get themselves to the playoffs, adapt, do the things that they need to do to put themselves in a position to win. And it's been proven the only thing that's really knocked them off course in that area is the turnover. So that's the only thing I can see is if they're fumbling and they're throwing picks and then, you know, 
that's getting them in the position to to potentially fall apart. But you know, you look at who they're playing down the stretch here. I think there's some favorable matchups for them. And you know, it, this quarterback class you mentioned it. There's a lot of talent in it. So I don't think you necessarily have to be at the top half of the draft to come away with a really good quarterback. You could potentially maneuver your way up the board based on maybe where you're at and what what happens during the pre-draft process. I mean, we're a long ways away. But there, this quarterback class is very good. See how Dobbs does. I mean, I don't know. Like Dobbs could potentially be someone that fits your system at the right price point. You're able to, you know, put your money other places and bring in uh, Daniel Hunter back, paying Justin Jefferson, paying Christian Darrisaw, like all the things that you need to do to secure the best talent and then also continue building through the draft. There are a lot of options the Vikings can go, but it's going to come down to how things end at the end of the season here. Speaking of the end of the season, that is what we're going to discuss right now because the first game in that final stretch is a home matchup against the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. The early details, because we're recording this on Wednesday evening, we gotta eat. We gotta eat our turkey. We gotta sleep all day Friday. We got we got things to do this weekend. We can't be waiting around until later in the week to do this. But 7.15 p.m. Monday night, ESPN, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Lisa Salters on the call. Uh, Vikings favored by three points at home. And the biggest question, of course, is whether Justin Jefferson will play. He has been out since week five. Week, yes, week five, one and four. Yeah, week five, week five. Sorry, he was out for that pair of I was trying to yep. add it up in my head. He's been out since week five with a hamstring injury. Uh, they have been speaking very cryptically. KOC is kind of like, oh, well, you know, there's there's situations and possibilities and we'll evaluate and everything. He's not playing. D- Justin Jefferson is on X right now. Like, I don't give a shit about your fantasy team, which I love because let, let's stop. Let's stop diving into people's DMs when they ruin our parlays and everything. We can't even bet in Minnesota or South Dakota. But I mean, let, let's just stop like, attacking these players like hey thanks for throwing your body on the line so i can even bet on you in the first place but you really screwed my fantasy team and i'm mad at you and whatever they shouldn't give a fuck about your fantasy team that that's the thing so um i don't know you playing justin jefferson for your fantasy team on monday or you hold them out for the final stretch yeah i mean it it comes down to the teams or the team is only people that really know where justin jefferson's at progress wise and you want to be 100% coming back from a hamstring injury because if you come back too early that's one of those things that can linger and you know you have potential re-injury and then you know it's it's a snowball rolling down a hill so you know you have that flexibility if you're playing a Monday night game you got a little extra time to get ready so you see where he's at if he's not ready you got the bye week you come out put him in Las Vegas game and you roll forward and like I said it'll be a big addition you want to make sure that everything's good he's able to come back and, you know, you look at this matchup against the Bears, I believe that Minnesota's pass rush could be the difference in that game going at Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright on the edge. Uh, Daniil Hunter's playing just at an extremely high level right now. I mean, gosh, you look at one of the most complete players in the league that doesn't get any buzz at the national level, like right at the top in the sacks category and, you know, creating pressure, winning consistently. But then like in the run game, studying edges, identifying screens, like you watch how he impacts the game on a play-to-play basis. Just zone in on Daniil Hunter. Watch an entire game where you don't even look at anybody else on that side of the ball, and you'll be amazed at at the impact that he has. I mean, he's he's a game changer. Yeah, I you know, with Hunter doing his thing, with the defense doing its thing, and the offense being good enough 
Like, I hate calling things good enough, but I mean, you can get by against the Bears without Justin Jefferson, because I feel like, you know, the Bears are kind of teetering on that. OK, season's over territory. They were feisty against the Lions. Do they come back to earth? Like, this feels like a get right game. You got the throwback uniforms on. You got Monday night football. You know, you, you can have Josh Dobbs out there. There's enough sex appeal for the TV crowd out there. Um, you know, what's the key to beating Chicago on Monday night? Yeah, I think it's all about being able to play discipline defensively. Uh, I, I feel like the Bears will put in some quarterback run stuff, you know, with Justin Fields. And I've been kind of waiting for them to incorporate even more of it. Um, but, you know, Justin Fields with his injury, have been easing their, their way back. But Minnesota's pass rush is going to have to be the X factor in this game. If you're able to play the run well on first and second down, then, like I said, you're able to attack the edges with Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright on the outside. I think that's going to be the matchup that I'm watching is Minnesota's pass rushers versus uh, Chicago's tackles. So run defense, uh, getting them into passing down situations. And then offensively, I think, you know, it's building off of the things that you've done well. And getting another game in here where Josh Dobbs gains more comfort. I want to see the offensive line and the rushing attack play well. I think that's my concern down the stretch here most of all is can Minnesota run the ball well enough when they need to? Because there's going to be games where they're going to need to run the ball, especially as the playoff push begins. And I think that this is a game where you're able to try some things and get yourself in a flow and potentially incorporate more Ty Chandler uh, into the game plan as well. But knowing, like, finding, striking that balance between when to use Alexander Madison and when to use Ty Chandler because they're two different backs. And I think both of them can be used in a great way. It's just a matter of, like, finding the right situations and the right schemes to pair them up with, like the cap schemes with Alexander Madison and then those perimeter, you know, mid-zone outside, uh, mid-zone wide zone type schemes that Minnesota can feature Ty Chandler. And so, I mean, it's not going to be, and you look at, you know, rush defense, EPA per play. I mean, Chicago's been playing the run pretty well. So I think, you know, finding creative ways to run the ball is going to be a big component of this game. What's your prediction for uh, Monday? Have you even thought about it? Because as I'm reading it, I have no clue. <laughs> you know, it again, it comes back to taking care of the football. And if Minnesota can do that, I think this is a game that they can win pretty handily. I, I would say about a 28 to 13 type of matchup. Uh, and I'm, I'm anticipating that Justin Jefferson's probably not going to play and that the Vikings will get one defensive score uh, in there. There'll be one big takeaway that they're able to force, uh, possibly like a forced fumble for a touchdown or something. That's what I'm going with, 28 points. Well, we know the rules. The Vikings can't win a game by more than one score, so I have to go by that. Uh, this says three. I think they win by at least a touchdown, so I will go... I always focus on 27 points because I think that's a, that's three touchdowns, a couple field goals, maybe one. I'll go 24-17 for a final score. I think the Vikings do just enough. They go into the bye week at 7-5. and five, They charge up and they head in with Justin Jefferson at Vegas. Hey, we'll see if that happens. Then you're putting yourself in, in a better position down the stretch here. And then you got two games with, with the Lions and... You just see how it all plays out as the comfort level grows with the offense and Josh Dobbs. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, Chris. I think this is one of the more fascinating ends to a season. You look at the ebbs and flows, starting 0-3, getting yourself backed up. Kirk gets hurt. You, you trade for Dobbs. You have all that success immediately. Then, you know, Broncos is kind of a bump in the road. But you look ahead and you go, 
you know, what's going to happen down the stretch as, as Dobbs gets more comfort in the system. That's going to be what I'm watching for. Can this defense continue to play like it is? Because I think Harrison Phillips has been one of the most impressive guys, Chris. I mean, he's played really, really well uh, this season. I think maybe his best season as a Viking. That's been quietly a big impact, too. So I can't have you on this show without talking some gopher football. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now because the Gophers are taking on the Wisconsin Badgers in the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. The Gophers are five and six. The Badgers are six and five. Kickoff is at 2.30 on FS1 on Saturday. Wisconsin favored by two and a half points. The Gophers have won three of their last five meetings against Wisconsin after Wisconsin won or excuse me, 14 straight meetings against the Gophers throughout the early 2000s. So um, the first thing that comes to mind, this might be PJ Flex Super Bowl because <laughs> he likes to quote the guy. Like, I, I think it was in that ESPN documentary where this guy came up to him and be like, you can keep your job as long as you want if you beat Wisconsin. And he mentions that all the time. Just like, all I got to do is beat Wisconsin and I can keep my job. You know, the seat has got a little hotter around Flex since then. Uh, he mentioned it a lot last year. You know, do you think his job is actually in danger heading into Saturday's game? Oh, no, I don't think his his job's in danger. I, I believe that, you know, there were some things this year that they got to figure out in terms of how they build the roster, uh, navigating the landscape of NIL and the transfer portal, building better depth, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, there are some things that they're going to have to modify from an approach standpoint as you move forward you know the nil landscape has certainly changed some things and how teams are able to build their roster what type of talent they can take you have to dip more into that fcs uh transfer landscape where you're looking for players who you know want to elevate up a level like it's all about being finding creative solutions to the roster side of it and then you know developing talent this year there's a lot of young players on defense you think about it minnesota lost seven starters on that side of the ball then at linebacker you got two guys transfer out you got Derek with captain getting hurt which people forget about so you, and then maverick baronowski gets hurt cody lindenberg gets hurt and now you're down to uh true freshman matt kingsbury you got tyler stolsky at walk on like that creates challenges because then second level is not executing and you got third level mistakes because people are trying to overcompensate and make hero plays. And then you got a young quarterback on the other side of the ball. I mean, you know, Ethan got some starting experience, but playing quarterback in the Big Ten and taking the reins, being the leader, uh, learning, seeing a lot of new stuff. I mean, there, there are variables that that changed the landscape of the season. Some of them were in their control. Some of them were out of their control. So this offseason is going to be all about figuring out roster challenges and and developing a roster that's got better depth. You know, I mean, it's hard to like pinpoint what the exact issue with the Gophers. You mentioned a little bit uh, when you were talking there. Uh, sorry, the cold's kind of kicking in here. But uh, PJ Fleck, Cites NIL a lot. And I think he's got mm-hmm. a good point there because they've already, I mean, Marquis serving basically got poached due to Nike money from Oregon. Like that, that was basically one of the big reasons he's out West yep. right now. And you also, I mean, outside of that, there's just been no development in the players that they've had. It seems like Ethan Kaliak Manis hasn't taken that next step that a lot of people thought they would have. Um, you know, you have Darius Taylor, but he got hurt. That's another injury that's been big this year. I mean, it just feels like there's not a lot of progress. And then when you watch the game, 
you know, it's a lot of the same things that PJ Fleck has done throughout his career, where he does have some questionable decisions with clock management and usage of timeouts. Um, there's been a lot of third and long runs. Like a lot of people are fed up with his decision to punt in Ohio state territory a couple of times last week, but the plays before that there runs up the middle on third and long where you're just like, are you, are you giving up on the drive? Like, what are you doing? And every week, you know, he says the same line it's on me. And I think I wrote an article on this and kind of dove into some of the other times he said that. And I think he saw it because he's been like leaning into, he's like, I will always say it's on me. I will always do this. And like, I'm just like, Hey man, like I read your book. I was super depressed and and I read it and it helped me get to where I am right now. So I, I almost feel bad, like digging into that and just kind of being like, Hey, like this is kind of a pattern here. You say it's on you, but nothing really has changed. You know, is this like, what, what do you think is going on at that level? Because I think that PJ Flack also needs to look at himself and go, Hey, we need to change a couple of things around if we really want to elevate this program to a different level. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there are things that PJ has to evaluate this offseason. It comes down to you know the roster stuff, like I said, and and some of that is related to NIL. Some of that is you know finding the right fits and investing the resources as a school into what you need to develop a robust, almost like NFL scouting department where you got transfer portal for your recruiting. You're basically scouting over the course of the season so that you can build your roster. And that's what I feel like it's evolving to. So Minnesota is going to have to, you know, put their heads together to figure that out. Then I think it's like philosophical stuff. I didn't have as big of a problem with the punts in that side of the territory. The numbers actually bared out. I wrote about it on the site about um, numbers actually in that situation factor in a lot of things, opponent strength and spread and, you know, score. I mean, 10 miles you got left flipping the field there, backing them up, potentially having a mistake occur. If it were fourth and one, fourth and two, I'd have been like, you know, think about it, especially the second one. But to be in fourth and five, the way the offense is executing, you give Ohio State the ball near midfield there, you know, you're putting your defense not in a super good spot. So right. those two, the bigger thing that I have there is I like to call timeouts on defense, especially when you got two and there's like a minute 31 or minute, I think it was a minute 31 or minute 25 at the end of the half there, the first half. The defense had the offense, the punch just got dropped inside the five again. You had them backed up. If you're able to use those timeouts there, you might have been able to get the ball back, get yourself in field position to in position to potentially kick a field goal because Dragon Kestich has a monster leg. So I thought that was the bigger one. It's just occasional stuff like that. This year it's been execution with players making mistakes, drop balls, ball placement accuracy, uh, pass protection laps here there misfit on defense and the run fit tackling uh you know it it's been play to play it's been so different like one play it's this one play it's that one play it's this one play it's that like consistency hasn't been there and that's for a variety of factors and minnesota's coaching staff and administration and everybody involved with gopher football has to sit down and figure out you know what the long-term approach is especially as realignment takes place and you get some schools coming in here yeah do you think it's fixable because you look at the Gophers situation right now. I mean, the NIL money thing is almost hilarious because you have, you know, players going out there and 
selling Seventh Avenue pizza to just like like their youth hockey players or something. You know what I mean? Like raising money for New Jersey's or something. Uh, you know, this is the most successful stretch the Gophers have had since the 1900s in terms of wins. And I know there have been some national titles in there, but they only played like eight or seven or eight games in those seasons. And a lot of people have kind of been like, well, who are you going to get to replace Fleck? Like you have USC, UCLA. Oregon, Washington, you alluded to it. You have no more divisions this year. You know, you said you got to have a lot of talks, but like, are they, are they just screwed on a long term or is it fixable in your mind? I do think it's fixable if the dials are turned the right way. You're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to do some things differently than maybe you have in the past. This landscape has started covering college football seven years ago. And I tell you what, in a year eight, this thing is so different style play wise than it was then roster management wise the nil i mean i i have been in this era where i saw a couple years of the traditional college football to where it is now i sit and shake my head because i'm constantly doing stuff now where it's like transfer portal it's four-year recruiting it's you know visits it's it's all that stuff that goes into college football it's truly 365 days a year now and so minnesota is going to need to get all the resources possible into talent acquisition. That is the first thing I would do. I'd say we're going to have to figure out some unique and creative ways to gain an app. And, you know, there, there's some ways to do that, I think. So looking at Saturday now, I like, what do you think for a prediction? Because I'm kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I think that Fleck, like I said, he puts a ton of stock into this game. So I think he's just going to lay every, not, not like get all crazy, like go for it on fourth and 11 and that stuff. But I mean, I think that he's going to have a very aggressive game plan and he's going to try to beat Wisconsin because there's a lot on the line here. There's a bull berth on the line. There's, you know, whatever's going on with his job, he can quiet him a little bit, but you're like, hey, I beat Wisconsin again. Yeah. I'm thinking 17, 14 Gophers. What say you? You know, this is one of those games where I, I said this on a couple things I've been on lately. The, the Big Ten West has been harder to predict this year, especially as the season's gone on. And I say that because of the NIL transfer portal landscape, because I do believe that these programs, they don't have resources in that side of it to build the depth that some of these other schools do, especially like on the east side, mm -hmm. where, you know what, you just you just go, all right, the, the Ferrari's out of commission, go put the Porsche, you know, like, that's what that is, where here, you get down the depth chart in these Big Ten West games, and you don't know what to expect where you're sitting there going, what the heck happened with this outcome? And a lot of it is because it's not like the NFL or traditional injury reports, dude, where there's people, you know who's going to potentially play and who's not going to play. Where here, there are things that go on internally that, you know, I, <laughs> you can't control. You got people hurt. Wisconsin, they're dinged up. Hunter Walters might not be able to play. Will Pauling's dinged up wide receiver. Bryson Green's hurt. Uh, they've dealt with injuries all season long. The only spot it really hasn't hit is their offensive line. I mean, Tanner Mordecai, their quarterback, missed some action with a broken hand, and he came back. Like I, I feel this game is one of those coin flip situations where whoever gets the ta the big takeaway and you know has that huge game flow shift play will end up winning the game. I, I would say it's going to be pretty low scoring, like you said. Uh, probably around the score prediction that you said, or around 20, the first team to 20 uh, wins. But it's, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm in the business of, of studying this stuff 
I, I, it's hard to even know what's going to happen. So if people want to see what you do know about this game, they can go yeah. to Gophers Guru. You got Vikings Corner on the side there. You know, what, what's going on with your endeavors, man? Uh, GophersGuru.com is a big business project. Uh, started in 2020, uh, continuing to grow at $5 a month subscription package. It's a next-gen approach to Gopher football coverage. So with blending the schematic side with some uh, advanced analytics and uh, helping fans look at the game through a different lens while also providing some feature content where you can learn more about the coaches and the players and everybody associated with the program. So if you're looking for an in-depth, next-gen approach to go for football coverage, head over to the site. I know the season's coming to an end, but honestly, this is when it gets hot. you got the transfer portal. you got early National Signing Day coming up on December 20th. So there are a lot of things that fans will get access to on the site. So check it out, gophersguru.com. And where can people follow you on the socials, man? At Daniel House MN on Twitter. That's the main spot where you'll find me. I always like uh, interacting with fans on there. So be sure to hit me up. So go check Daniel out. Thank you for coming on, Mr. House. And we'll have you on down the road. But that's all the time we got for the Viking Age podcast today. We do this every Monday and with a late week episode right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. We're on Apple and Spotify the very next day whenever we do it. So however you consume us, whether you're driving to grandma's house for Thanksgiving right now or wherever, pull over if you are. But make sure when you get to a safe spot, uh, rate, comment, like, subscribe, do all those cool things so you never miss a new episode. And we can continue to spread the word to the masses for Daniel House. I am Chris Shad. This has been the Viking Age Podcast. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.